Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have tonight to come before you, to gather together in your presence, to gather together in your name and in the power of your spirit. And Lord, we know that it is not through enticing words of man's wisdom, but only by your power, Lord, that the word can go forth. Because if we do it through our wisdom, the cross of Christ will be made of none effect. And that is not what we desire here tonight, God. I thank you for these people. I thank you, God, that they have worked all week and they have fought devils all week. And now they have come together to get some more strength because they know where our strength comes from. That's through the power of your word. That's through the gathering together of like-minded brothers and sisters with your presence. And we want you, God, to saturate us completely tonight. And we pray this and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. And can everybody say amen? Amen. You feel better? You may be seated. I have nothing to throw. Just so you know. <laughs> I, I cleared out these first few rows. There's nobody <laughs> on the front row tonight. <laughs> cleared them out last week. Sorry about that. Um, my husband always laughs at me because if I throw this way, invariably, whatever it is, is going to end up over there. It's not a good thing. Hand-eye, something about the hand-eye coordination that just never got developed, I guess, when I was a kid. So this is our last week of Bible study methods uh, series, our sanctuary series. Glad you're here for the third week. Next week begins a new sanctuary series, and that one will be entitled Growing. How many of you want to grow? I do too. I want to grow up. I don't want to grow out. I just want to grow up. But I want to grow. So there will be four weeks to that series. It's going to be taught by four different people. Uh, the first week is Growing Through the Mundane. Sometimes the mundane part of life just gets, seems that's where we get stagnant. That's where we get stale. Everything is the same old, same old. And that wars against us many times just as strongly as times of pain wars against us. The mundane. So Growing Through the Mundane. The second week will be Growing Through Prosperity because Although we think that prosperity will only help us, many times it is some people's downfall. So how can we use prosperity and grow through that season? So that will be the second season. I mean, the second lesson. The third lesson will be growing through pain. Um, I will be back in here that night to teach that lesson, growing through pain. Um, it's one that I have taught a couple of times before. Uh, it's a very powerful lesson because pain does not have to destroy us. It can actually be a stepping stone to growth in our lives. It's going to come. Pain is going to come to all of us, not just one time, but it's going to come over and over and over. So how can we grow through it? And then the fourth uh, week will be growing through failure. And that will be a very good week as well, because I think all of us in this room probably can point to some times of our life that we thought we were a success or that we did something successfully. But probably more often than not, we will point to times that we felt like we were a failure, whether we were or not, we felt like we were a failure. And so that night will be a very strong and powerful night growing through failure. So next week begins the growing series here in the sanctuary. So before we get to tonight's lesson, Let's just take a minute and kind of review over the past couple of weeks. How many of you were here for all three weeks? You've been able to at least listen. Let me put it that way. Not physically here, but listen. Good. So you know what we, were, we have talked about. You know what our uh, focus has been. We talked about, we're going to kind of review just right here, because I hope what you're going to do is take this and take what you've heard and take the notes you've ta made and... At some point, you're going to encounter somebody who needs to hear something. And you're going to be able to refer back to this and then share it with them. And that's the way the word spreads. That's the way that the good news spreads. It's whenever we hear it, we take it in, we digest it, and we give it back out. Excuse me. So, our um, series was based on John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was 
with God and the word was God. We talked about the fact that God is a voice. The Greek word is logos, which means concept with sound wrapped around it. That's what God is. So what is God? He is logos. Say it. And what is logos? It is the word. Okay, I'm, I'm distilling things down just for brevity's sake. But let's say it again. What is God? What is Logos? Don't forget that. You're going to have to say that again tonight because we're going to bring it all home tonight. All right, the next one was Hebrews 4.12, the next scripture. For the, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. What does quick mean? Biblical definition? Alive. Quick means alive. Okay. That's the biblical definition of the Greek word. It means alive. This word lives, and that makes it totally different from any other book. The fact that the word is alive is the reason we can have a relationship with it. And our first lesson was entitled relationship. We are to have a relationship with this word. You cannot gain a relationship through anybody else. I cannot develop a relationship with this word through my husband. I can't do it. I can't even as much as I would like to develop it through whomever stands behind this pulpit. I cannot do it. I can only do it myself. It can't come through your spouse. It can't come through a teacher. Your relationship with the word can only come from your spirit to that word. It's a soul personal action which must originate from you. You must activate that. It cannot come from without. And then we went into seven, seven different methods that we can employ in order to cultivate and deepen our relationship with the word. Those were read the word, listen to the word, pray the word, obey the word, meditate on the word, ask questions from the word, and write the word. Those were the seven ways. If you have any questions about any of that, after we're done tonight, I'll stay down here for a little while and be available if anybody would like to ask any questions about anything that we covered in Lessons 1 or Lesson 2 or even possibly tonight. Um, okay, then we moved to Lesson 2 last week, which was based on 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we took that word rightly dividing, and it was orthotomeo, and it meant to cut straight ways, to proceed by straight paths, hold a straight course equivalent to do right. When we first begin our relationship with the word and layers of understanding and depth and meaning come to us, it seems we can't get enough, enough of it. But just as it is with our humanity, we talked about how sometimes then it will become commonplace and we have to, at that point, employ commitment to this. So just as soon as tonight's over and you go home, that's going to be tested. Your commitment to what we have talked about the last two weeks and tonight is going to be tested. Right now, don't let it be an emotional decision, but make up in your mind right now, I will stay the course. I will get in the word every day in some form. We gave you seven ways to do it. You have all kind of ways. Say, I will. Don't say it unless you mean it. But if you mean it, say it again louder. Thank you. That's good. That's good. If every single person that said that will do that, the atmosphere in this place will change. It really will because you will change. And when you walk in, you'll be housing this logos, this living word. It will be emanating from you and it will change. We talked last week about four tools 
four ways that we can start rightly dividing the word, taking that sharp sword and uh, and going so, so thin that we can divide joints and marrow and we can divide spirit and soul. There's a fine line there between spirit and soul. And the word says that with our tools, we can do it. Those tools were concordance. And I demonstrated a lexicon, which is our dictionary, our Hebrew or Greek dictionary. And I demonstrated commentary. And I talked. Remember? And maps. And I demonstrated. I also demonstrated all of those things on blueletterbible.org, which is a great tool on your phones or your iPads or your computers to help you access those things in a convenient manner. Then we talked about methods of Bible study. The word study method is my favorite. We went through that form. We did not have time to go through topical analysis and character analysis, but you have the forms. Again, if you have any questions, I'll be up here afterward tonight, and we can talk about that. So that brings us tonight to tonight. The third part of our study, strengthen. I propose to you that the third essential element of Bible study is that of strengthening. And you may think, how do I do that? Because uh, the first two lessons were about doing, right? Well, this lesson is about doing as well. And we're going to talk about how you do it. But don't let the fact that this lesson is so different from number one and number two lull you into thinking it is not as important. This lesson is just as important as number one and number two. If we do not give out what we take in, we become a dead sea. That's why the dead sea is dead. It does not have a point where the waters flow out. It only has a point where the water flows in. So if we do not give out what we take in, we become a dead sea. We become stagnant. And stagnant waters, this is going to seem a little harsh, but it's truth. Stagnant waters lead to arrogance. Stagnant waters lead to spiritual entitlement. And to putrid spirits who eventually begin operating out of the letter of the law. Because the spirit of the law is lost. When love is not activated. And love can only be activated when what we have taken in flows out. Does that make sense? Give you a minute to think about it. How many of you have been to the Holy Land with Pastor and you've been to the Dead Sea before? Yeah. Okay. It stinks. You remember the smell? It smells. It's not a good smell around the Dead Sea. It smells weird. It's got all these chemicals. I promise you, that's what your spirit smells like whenever you take in and you do not give back out. It is in the activation phase. What do we activate? We activate love. Love is the activation of all this. Because when we, we activate love, then we want to give out. We want to strengthen as we have been. And the only way we can do that is by loving our fellow man and seeing that they have need of something that we can provide. And so it's in the activation phase that our connection with the word is tested. Okay, I'm going to go a little slow because I want you to think about what I'm saying. Once we have established relationship with the word, once we have developed our communication with it and our love for it and our dependence upon it, at that point, we begin to become better with the tools we have at our disposal, which we talked about last week. We begin to learn what the words mean. We begin to have layers and layers of revelation and knowledge peeled back as we proceed through that ever-deepening cycle of know, of doing and then knowing. Remember about revelation? You must first do, and then you will know, and God peels the layers back, and revelation is like an onion, and you once one layer's peeled back, there's more there, but you can't peel them back. God has to do it, and the way he does it is when we act on what we know. Okay. So then we realize after we have been in this cycle for a while, we realize that the places that the people of the Bible lived were very much like our own countryside right out here. 
We learn that they got hungry just like we do. We learn that they got impatient just like we do. They got sleepy and stressed and experienced grief and loss just like us. They had weddings just like we do. They squabbled among themselves just like we do. Our tools become sharper and sharper the more we use them. And our relationship deepens greater and greater the more we understand and obey. And then the testing phase begins. So the third major part of Bible study is remaining strong during test time. I would have been a lifelong student if that would have been an option for me. I have gone to school probably far longer than I would like to admit. (laughs) And I've enrolled in more self-study courses than I will ever admit to any of you, even my husband. I will not tell him how many I have enrolled in and done halfway and then not finished. I absolutely love learning. I love knowledge. I love being able to take pieces of knowledge I pick up from here and from there. And I come back and I put it all together. And I see the beautiful pictures that come together. But I have never liked tests. I hate them. I really hate the Western education philosophy of the test scores indicating how much knowledge you've gained from a class. Because in my opinion, if you didn't gain knowledge from a class, you shouldn't be the one getting the bad grade. That should be the teacher's fault. Because if a teacher does their job right, you're going to learn. That's my opinion. But I'm not in the education field anymore. So I'm not going to fight that battle, but it just so happened. I was able to memorize facts pretty well. So I always did good on tests, but there are those who could sit and explain the philosophy of what we were studying far better than me who did not perform well on the tests. And so here's the good news for all of us. We do not have to take SHS or multiple choice test or fill in the blank test for our third lesson in Bible study, but we do have to take tests. And we have to build and exhibit our proficiency of how much we know by how we react to the tests which come our way. And here's the kicker. (laughs) None of them are alike. So we can't cheat. And I can't ask Sister Fisher, tell me about your, tell me about the test. What are the answers? Can't do it. Because the test that she got won't be the test that I get. We each get our own individual tests. We can't ask someone else what they did or how they did this or that. Because each of us have to take a different one. And here's the only thing that is promised. The answers are there. We just have to find them. And another thing that's good. If we want it to be, we have permission to make it a group effort. We can establish our study group right here. I can help you and you can help me. So tonight's lesson is actually a study hall to get you ready for your test. It will be an open book test too. You know, the kind that you can sit right there and search for the answers with the book open and in front of you. I'm not sure when it will be given or where you will be when it comes. All I can tell you is it will come. And I think you'll be able to do very well on all of the tests which come your way if you focus on this one word, strengthen. Because what I have found is this. When I am weak, I lose my sense of purpose. When I'm weak, I lose my will to press on. When I'm weak, I lose my appetite for the word. When I'm weak, I tend to want to withdraw from the consistency of my God connection time. When I am weak, my tools get dull. When I'm weak, I want to withdraw from the members of God's family who hold me up. When I am weak, I want to isolate. When I am weak, I lose love. I lose joy. I lose hope. I lose faith. I lose peace. When I'm weak, I tend to drag others down around me. And when I am weak, I am not victorious. I suffer defeat and I lose. So I'm not sure what your questions will be. I'm not sure what your circumstances will be. But I guarantee you that if you will concentrate on gaining strength and becoming strong and being one who strengthens, you will pass the test. 
So the key word here is strong, strength, strengthen. Those are the key words, all stemming from strength. So as a practice test tonight, we're going to start off with some questions. And the first question I want to ask you is, where does our strength come from? And of course, I can only answer that through the word. Giving your own personal opinion is not allowed. You have to use the word to answer questions. I'm going to go to Psalm 27 and 14, which says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Here are a few questions to clarify that. We've already had our review. So here's the first question. What do we do when we feel weakness begin to overtake us? Wait on the Lord. Who is the Lord? God. Right? Who is God? La, la, la. Starts with an L. Logos. Thank you. I heard it. What is Logos? Word. So how do you wait? You wait on the Lord. The Lord is God. God is Logos. Logos is the word. You wait on the word. Light bulb. Now then, here's, here's cool, something so cool. Let's go look up the biblical definition of the word wait. It comes from the Hebrew word kava, which means to bind together, perhaps by twisting. Think of a rope. To expect, gather together, look, patiently, tarry. So what are you getting out of waiting? It's not just, oh my goodness, I am all by myself. I am singular. I am in isolation. And now I just have to sit here. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what kava means. Kava means no. We're binding ourselves to something. Like a rope. You see? We're twisting. What is that something? The Lord. The word. So waiting means binding ourselves to the word. Twisting the word into the very marrow of our bones and our being. We wait by binding together so tightly to these words of God. This logos until it cannot be distinguished where one ends and the other begins. We make a braid. We meld. We mesh. We merge. And we become one with this word. As we tarry courageously. Because the goal is to be strengthened. Not necessarily to receive the answer. Did you remember that? Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Didn't say he was going to bring you the answer. He just said you're going to have strength because of your waiting. As you bind, you're going to gain strength. So what I'm hearing is this. You know what? The answer really isn't the big deal. It's the strength that's the big deal, right? And that's where we fall is when we get weak. So right now, tonight, we are saying, God, what I have to do is learn that I am not in this to get something that I think I want. I'm in this to get what I need, and that is strength. Does this make sense? Okay, all right. So let's find some more nuggets in all of this. Psalm 119.28 says, My soul melteth for heaviness. In other words, I'm depressed, I'm distraught, I am so heavy. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. I love this right here. If you look up that verse in Strong's, you will see that according, and we talked about how to do that last week. See, isn't that wonderful? You can go home and do it if you want to. You will see that according to thy word, the whole phrase, is actually translated from one Hebrew word, which is Dabar. It has a lot of descriptions, but I, I think that the one that is most apt is this. Some of that which is spoken. Some of that which is spoken. So according to thy word, that whole phrase is represented in the original text by one Hebrew word, which is called Dabar. 
And it means the sum of that which is spoken. So there you have that one. Strength comes from all of the words. All of them. The sum of that which is spoken. Not just the ones you understand. Not just the ones you're most familiar with. Not just the ones you agree with. But all of it. Take it all. He says, if you want my strength, you have to take it all. It's a package deal. You don't get to choose like a buffet and say, I believe I'll have some of this, but I don't want any of that. Now, Lord, give me some strength from here, but I don't want any of that over there. He's saying, no, you have to take the sum of all of the words. And that's where my strength comes from. Amen. Got it? Moving on. Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. So strength comes from hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. And who is the Lord? He is God. And what is God? Logos. And what is Logos? Oh, you guys are so amazing. You're passing. If you're waiting on a raise from your job, your hope is in the wrong place. If you're waiting on your spouse to change, your hope is in the wrong place. If you're waiting for that person to come to their senses, your hope is in the wrong place. If you are waiting for an agency or a court or a system to rule in a certain way, your hope is in the wrong place. Because Psalm 31 and 24 says, hope in the Lord. And what is the Lord? God. And what is God? Logos. And what is Logos? The Word. So if you're waiting on all of those things and you're looking to all of those things, you're looking in the wrong spot. Here it is. This is where hope is found. And many times, hope doesn't care what we want. Hope only cares what we need. It helps, hope helps us align our priorities in a great way. I sincerely hope that, that you're getting what I'm, what I'm trying to say tonight because I am taking away what, and I'm going to kind of hop on a little candy stick, but I'm going to hop right on, hop right back off. So I won't stay here. Don't get nervous. But sometimes I feel like it's a crutch when people say, I'm just hoping in the Lord. Really? Okay. Well, I know I'm just waiting on God. I'm just trusting in the Lord. And I want to say this. Well, if you are hoping in the Lord, I would think that you would be able to quote some hope scriptures to me. Because if you were waiting on the Lord, I would think you would be able to quote some patience scriptures to me and some waiting scriptures to me. And if you were trusting in the Lord, I would think that you would be able, I would be able to talk to you about that word trust and the word study that you've done on it and some places that you found that has spoken directly to your situation. Because if you're truly hoping in the Lord, and waiting on the Lord and trusting in the Lord, you should be able to talk to me about the beauty of everything he's showing you as you walk through the valley. Because hoping in the Lord means hoping from the pages of this book. It's not hoping from the easy chair in your living room. It's hoping from the pages of this book. Waiting on the Lord means waiting in the pages of this book. Trusting in the Lord means surrendering and sacrificing and laying it down in the pages of this book. Are you with me? There's a difference in hoping and waiting and trusting through negativity and hoping and waiting and trusting in the pages. And this is what I have found. When you're really, really hoping and you're really, really waiting and you're really, really trusting through the pages of this book, there is a positive energy field around you. You can be in the worst situation and walk into a room and I feel positive light coming from you. Because you're here. You're not in that negative place. The Lord is our strength. Through the pages, through the sum of all of the words, through the binding and the waiting with this book. Amen. Second Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I love this verse. Most gladly, therefore, 
will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This was Paul going through all kinds of trials. Shipwrecks, imprisonment, beatings. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, this the Lord said, is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, so I'm going to gladly therefore glory in my infirmities. I'm going to glory in the trials. I'm going to glory in the negative. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen to this. Please do not dishonor our great God by saying you are hoping and waiting and trusting and seeking and searching and then complaining about the waiting room all in the same breath. God has designed the waiting experience, the hoping experience, the trusting experience, the strengthening experience to be a place of beauty and incredible revelation. Far more layers of revelation and glory are pulled back in the deep shadows of the valley than are pulled back in the sunshine of the mountaintop. Don't complain about the waiting room. That's where you receive the most beautiful pieces of revelation. So, what are we supposed to do once we are strengthened? We don't want to be a dead sea. We understand about hoping in the word. We understand about being in the word. So, what do we do? We go to Luke chapter 22, verse 32, that says, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. This was Jesus talking to Peter at the Last Supper. Here's the key word to that verse. It's converted. It comes from the Greek word epistrepho. I told you I wasn't a scholar. I just like to learn about it. Epistrepho. But it doesn't mean... To convert or come to a new belief system, it means to revert, literally, figuratively, or morally. Come or go again. Return. Convert means to revert or to to return. We tend... In 2021, to define the word converted is when somebody comes to a new belief system. But converted here means when you have returned, when you have reverted. So I'm going to use the example of you're strong here tonight. Everybody, this is our third week of Bible study methods. We're strong. You're going to leave here and you're going to get weak again because that's what happens. It's life. It's a cycle. But you know now how to come back and return to where you became strong. And when that happens, don't focus on yourself. Strengthen your brother. He gave us full instructions, complete, precise instructions right there. So before we do that, though, let's back up in that chapter and look at where this came from. You have to understand where these guys were. They were at the last supper. Jesus had just said, I'm going to die. Okay. They're sitting around eating. I'm going to die. And then you know what they did? They, then he says, oh, he told them about Judas. He said, there's a snake here. And, 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 you know, he's sitting here and he's, he's eating with us and it's bad guys. And so the guys start arguing. Oh, it's going to die. Mm, there's going to be a position change. I wonder who's going to get the top spot. And so they start arguing among themselves. Can you imagine? See, I told you they were just like us. They start arguing. And they say, who's going to be next? Who's going to be the greatest? You can be the oh, I deserve to be the greatest. I bet you Peter was right up there in the big middle of it all. I deserve to be the greatest. It was my boat that caught all the fish. So they're arguing about it. 
They're mad about it. John says, I deserve to be the greatest because I love him more than any of you do. I pray more. I deserve to be the greatest. I am holier than all of you. And Peter's like, don't you, don't you, don't you even. Don't you even. You want to take this outside? I'm taking a little liberty. (laughs) And Jesus says, Peter, he looks straight at Peter. Peter, you know, you know something. I've prayed for you. Because before the sun comes up in the morning, a rooster's going to crow three times and you're going to be reminded of how you have denied me. And I've prayed for you because you know what? That is such a, that, that's going to be such a terrible thing in your mind that you've done that you will want to quit. But I've prayed for you. Can you imagine the Lord of the universe prays for you? He sees every single thing each of you have gone through. And God prays for you. It wasn't just Peter. He prays for you that in your weakness, you will remember where your strength came from and you will return to it. And then he said, and so Peter, but there's a responsibility after you return to it. Your responsibility at that point is going to be to strengthen your brethren. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So we learned the first week about relationship, and we learned the second week about the tools and the workmen and the fact we have to be one. And then tonight, we're talking about strength. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to remember this. You're going to walk out. Life is going to hit you. Some some things that you uh, perhaps committed to even just a few moments ago or even in your heart when nobody was listening in your private place of of prayer in your in your prayer chair with God you're going to let down on some of those things and you're going to deny some of those things and at that point you're going to say I can't stick with anything I'm not worth anything when that happens just come back Open it. Open it back. Dive deep into its pages. Get your notebook back out. Say, speak to me, Lord. Strengthen me again, God. God, I'm sorry. I failed you, but you know what? That's not going to be the sum of my life. That's not going to define me. What's going to define me is the fact that I will come back again and I'll come back again and I'll come back again and again and again and again and so the way God that I'm going to keep it fresh is what I'm going to ask you to do is put somebody in my path today that needs something from this word and I will give it and then you open your ears and you open your eyes and you become sensitive to your brother And you look around you and you take your eyes off yourself and you take your eyes off your spouse and you take your eyes off your family and you look around and you think, okay, God, what do I have that they need? Because your responsibility after you have taken in all of this these last three weeks is to strengthen your brethren. So where do you go? What do you do? That's that's not for me to answer. That's for you to answer. That's for you to decide, but I am going to let the word speak to you one more time. From Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says this, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. You've been given a whole lot. I know that America has its problems. I know that as a nation, we're not perfect, but we're still among the most wealthy nations in the world. And when you've traveled to other places and you see where they live and what they eat and what they drink, you realize you have an awful lot. And you've got the ability to have shelves full of Bibles in your home. And you have the ability to have tools everywhere on any electronic that you want or in any print book that you want. You have freedom still to come to this place and gather in here tonight. We're rich people. We've been given a whole lot. A whole lot. And to whom much is given, of him 
shall be much required. I think that I have shown the video clip that you're about to see here before. But as I was putting all this together, I really felt compelled to show it again tonight. And I watched, as I watched it again, I was struck all over again by how many Bibles I have in my house and how many electronic Bibles I have on my electronics and how easily accessible the tools are with which to develop a relationship and become a workman. And I was struck all over again by the fact that I have a responsibility to strengthen There's a lady in our church who's going through a lot uh, health-wise right now. Um, Sister Anita, Anita Sargent, she's not doing well. She's not here this evening. I don't know if she's able to listen. But if she is, Sister Anita, we love you very much. Pray for you often. I have no idea whether this really ministered to her in the way I felt it today or not. But that's where you have to... That's where you have to put yourself out of the equation. And when you feel something, you just do it because it's not about you at all. And the word never returns void. And the psalm that I read, I always do a psalm in the morning. And my psalm this morning was Psalm 24. Who is in the last part of that says, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty. In battle, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. And as I read that, I was filled with strength and I was filled with joy. And my mind just went to her. And I just texted her and I said, I hope you're doing good this morning. Here's what the Lord impressed upon me to send it to you. And I sent her the passage. And at the bottom I just said, The King of Glory is sitting with you in your room today. That's it. I got back a very nice reply from her. I don't know if it filled her with the same sense of exaltation and strength that I felt in my spirit or not. But that's not the point. The point is, it was the word. The Lord prompted her to my mind. I sent it. That's called strengthen thy brethren. It's simple. Every single one of us can do it. Copy it on a little note card. Put a stamp on it. Mail it. Text it, email it, call somebody on the phone. If they don't like talking and you get their voicemail, that's fine. Leave a message. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. It's simple. It's very simple. Buy somebody a Bible that doesn't have one. Put money in the offering if there's ever a special thing to buy Bibles and send them somewhere. Find a situation where they're translating Bibles into other languages and just donate a dollar. All of these things, it's very, very, very simple. So, to whom much is given, of him shall be much required. And every person under the sound of my voice has been given so very much. And every person under the sound of my voice now has a responsibility. So go and become strong. And when you have become strong again, strengthen thy brethren. Nundi gerenti omulatlam siang wenena memero puku wenena op kemelama do wenena ni anyar lemla boga nimbabe elulama puk memero kumne amulatlam siang wenena oi nimbabe ket sepo seni lima po simini wenena nundi munisin mati sampe wahyu gigi tangkal wenena ora yosimna igin ga igin kum kiaman
Nanay had the privilege of being in services with people from Papua New Guinea. Beautiful people. You all are going to have the opportunity to worship in heaven beside those people. But that also means we'll be judged beside them as well. Do you have a love for the word like that? Will you give up? Will you sacrifice? Will you rejoice for the word like that? We've taken in a lot. So now I just leave it with you. Let's just talk to him a second. And tell him what our soul desires to give him in return. God, thank you. Thank you for your blessings. But Lord, help us to know that we're not as rich as we think we are. 
if we don't have that deep, deep abiding love for your word. Like some who have never seen it in print form, but it has lived in their hearts. It has come alive in their hearts. Some of us just have it in the print form without it living inside our hearts. So tonight I pray that everybody in this room will commit, Lord, to having it come alive in their hearts. We know, Lord, that when we are converted, we are to strengthen. And we also know that to whom much has been given, of him shall be much required. God, let me do my part. I pray right now, Lord, that you would show me the ways, God, that I can strengthen my brethren. That you will show me the ways that I can help the word come alive and my neighbors, my friends, and, and then all the people, Lord, that we have contact with across the ocean and then those that we don't have contact with but that you would like to connect us to. Help us to be sensitive. Help us to live it. Help us to love it. Help us to learn it. Help us to eat it. Help us to metabolize it and become it. Thank you for these people. In Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen.